Mark chapter 13, starting reading at verse 32. This is God's word. But of that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. Take heed, watch and pray, for you do not know when the time is. It is like a man going to a far country who left his house and gave authority to his servants and to each his work and commanded the doorkeeper to watch. Watch, therefore, for you do not know when the master of the house is coming, in the evening, at midnight, at the crowing of the rooster, or in the morning, lest coming suddenly he find you sleeping. And what I say to you, I say to all, watch. Something that I get wrong quite often is in Jarrett's Pass. I don't make the same mistake here in King's Mills as I do in Jarrett's Pass. I get up at the start of the service in Jarrett's Pass and I say, good morning, everybody. And because the service in Jarrett's Pass starts at noon, somebody will inevitably say, it's afternoon, Jamie. And I'll have to say, yes, it is. I'm sorry, it's no longer morning. Good afternoon, everybody. It's important, isn't it, to get the time right for things? It's important to, to get things right when it comes to timekeeping. The dawn service this morning was at six o'clock, and if you were there at five, well, you'd have been too early. If you were there at seven, you'd have been too late, and everybody would be on their way home. It's important to know what time things are at. It's a mistake that I make quite often every week. Every week as I'm putting the announcement sheet together, I have to try and remember what time is that meeting happening at? Was it a seven o'clock meeting or a half past seven or an eight o'clock evening? Is JYC on this week or is it next week? And I get myself worked up about that. I want to make sure that I get the times right. And I've got them wrong on more than one occasion. I wonder if you noticed as we read our passage today, there is a significance about time. Jesus is really keen that his disciples stay alert and watch out for something to happen. He wants them to stay awake, but he's unable to tell them the time that it will happen. He says, of that day and hour, no one knows. Only the Father knows. And so he says, take heed, watch and pray. You do not know when the time is. And so he can't tell them the time, but it's clear that they have to watch out for something. That's repeated through the passage. Now, whenever something is repeated in Scripture, that means we should pay attention to it. That means we should be alert to it. It's like, you know, whenever I'm, I'm leaving the house, I've maybe said this to you before, whenever I'm leaving the house, what do I say to the boys? I say, be good for your mum. Uh, and then I say it again as I'm lifting my keys. And then I say it again as I'm going out the door. And I say it over and over again. It's not because I think they're going to be good for their mom. It's because I think they need to be reminded. It's because I think they won't be good. And they need to be reminded about that. 
And so whenever Jesus is repeating an instruction to the disciples in our passage today, he keeps saying, watch. It's not because he's confident that they will watch. He doesn't think they're going to stay alert. He doesn't think they will keep watching. He's pretty sure that they will fall asleep. He's pretty sure they'll stop watching. And so that's our main point today. Be alert. Stay awake. Keep watch. Many of you, especially if you're up at the big stone this morning, or maybe settling in for your Sunday morning nap, don't do it. Listen to the words of Jesus. Be on guard. Be alert. Do not let him find you sleeping. We worked very hard last week to see that when Jesus told the disciples about the coming of the Son of Man in great power and glory, that he was speaking about his own resurrection and ascension. His resurrection from the dead and his ascension to the right hand of God the Father Almighty. And we've seen over the last few weeks that the cross of Jesus was the beginning of the end of the world. Ever since the cross, ever since Jesus died, we are living in the last days. And so all of that means that when Jesus goes on to teach the disciples what he says in our passage today, no one knows when that day or hour will come. He's talking about his own death and resurrection. The coming of the Son of Man. And this is something that only the Father knows the timing of. And so the disciples must stay alert they have to be ready. We know, we know that it's only days away because we've read to the end of the story. The disciples don't know that. Jesus doesn't want them to miss it. I don't think they will miss the resurrection of Jesus. They, they won't miss an empty tomb. But they might miss its importance. They might miss the significance and I think that's a danger for us today as well. We know the Easter story, don't we? We've heard it many, many times from we were little children. We are familiar with the fact that Jesus died and rose again. Does that mean we might miss out on how important it is? Might we miss out on why it's significant to us personally? There's familiarity, there's tradition surrounding Easter. But this Easter, let me repeat the words of Jesus. Take heed, watch and pray. Do not let the importance of the death and resurrection of Jesus pass you by. Friends, maybe this is the day of your salvation. Maybe finally today is the day when you wake up and see Jesus as the risen Lord. Wouldn't it be a wonderful testimony to have this day, the 17th of April 2022, as the time when you personally came to profess your faith in Jesus as Lord and Saviour? Maybe today will be the day when you wake up. If you have never trusted in Jesus, I pray that for you today. We're reading a story here. Mark's gospel is a story, and Mark is a great storyteller. In this section, what he's doing is 
preparing us as readers for what is going to come next in the story. This is a story about Jesus Christ, the Son of God who has taken on the flesh of humanity, who's come into the world as the Son of Man. And what will come next is that he must suffer many things. Jesus has said this himself. He must suffer many things, be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law. He must be killed, and after three days, rise again. But as we read the story, we don't know when this will happen, how soon it will be. Imagine you're reading this story for the first time. We have to watch out. Jesus illustrates this for his disciples with a parable of sorts. It's very similar, actually, to the parable of the wicked tenants from chapter 12. Let's read what verses 34 and 35 say. It's like a man going to a far country who left his house and gave authority to his servants and to each his work and commanded the doorkeeper to watch. Watch, therefore, for you do not know when the master of the house is coming. In the evening, at midnight, at the crowing of the rooster, or in the morning. Now you'll notice those time signals. Evening, midnight, the crowing of the rooster, the morning. That's not a throwaway detail. Those are really, really important. Those are the watches of the night for the Roman guards. That's when the night watchman would chain shifts at those times. But what's really significant for us is that over the next couple of chapters in Mark's gospel, Mark tells the story of Jesus' betrayal, his arrest, his trial, and his death. And as he tells the story, the same time signals control the narrative. At each point, as we read, we're asking ourselves, is this the coming of the Son of Man? Is this the time? We have the Last Supper. The Last Supper takes place in the evening. Will this be the coming of the Son of Man? Well, not yet. And then the Garden of Gethsemane, which happens at midnight. Jesus is betrayed by his own disciples, one of his own disciples. He's arrested and handed over to the Jewish authorities. Is this the coming of the Son of Man? Not yet. We all know about Peter, don't we? One of Jesus' closest disciples. When did he deny that he even knew Jesus? When the rooster crowed. Is this the coming of the Son of Man? Not yet. And then the trial of Jesus, we're told, takes place in the morning. And so you see these time signals. And each time we wonder, is this it? Is this the time Jesus told us to watch for? But the coming of the Son of Man doesn't happen. Mark has laid a structure here in verses 32 to 37. He's laid a structure for the rest of the story. And as each time comes and goes, well, it's disappointment. Because we're ready for the coming of the Son of Man, and it doesn't happen. And so Jesus' teaching is reaffirmed. We have to keep watching. We have to stay alert. Don't let him find you sleeping. What you will know, if you are at all familiar with the story of Jesus' death, is that at each of these times, the disciples are clueless. 
The disciples are clueless as to what's going on. They're literally found sleeping in the garden of Gethsemane. Peter denies knowing Jesus three times before the rooster crows. The disciples are in desperate need of Jesus' teaching to stay awake, to keep watch for the coming of the Son of Man. But as I've said, each time comes and goes, and each one is accompanied by disappointment. The Son of Man does not come in power and glory. And then as, as we read the story of the crucifixion, Go home this afternoon, you can, you can read it in, in Mark's Gospel. Read the story of the crucifixion and Mark keeps telling us the time. He keeps telling us what time things happen. The third hour, the sixth hour, the ninth hour. And we're wondering, is this the coming of the Son of Man? But no. No one knows about that day or hour. Not even the angels in heaven nor the Son. Only the Father. And so Jesus dies on the cross. But that's not the last part of the story, is it? Evening, midnight, rooster crowing. These all pass with Jesus in the tomb. And then, on the next day, there is a new morning. A new dawn, very early on the first day of the week, most likely when the disciples are still asleep, the women go to anoint Jesus' body with spices. But he's not there. The Son of Man has risen from the dead. He has come in power and glory. Friends, do not miss the significance of this today. Jesus Christ has come in power and glory on the clouds. He has died for the sins of his people and he's risen from the dead, defeating sin and death forever. Jesus Christ has overcome. He's overcome the world. He's overcome the flesh. He's overcome the devil. These have been destroyed through the life, death, resurrection, and ascension into glory of Jesus. Do not miss the significance. Do not miss the importance of the coming of Jesus. Be alert. Be alert enough to see that above all other things, Jesus' life, death, his resurrection, his ascension is the defining moment of history. And it's the defining moment of your life. If you are a Christian today, it's the defining moment because it's the time when you were saved. You were saved because of this. If you reject Jesus, it's the defining moment of your life because it's that moment that you have rejected. That will define you for all eternity. To hell, to damnation. Don't reject Jesus today. Be alert. Be on guard. Keep watch. Do not make the mistakes of the disciples. See the importance of the death and resurrection of Jesus today. Hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man proven to be the son of God by mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him. This Jesus was delivered to death according to the definite plan of God and was crucified 
and killed by the hands of lawless men. And God raised him up, loosing the chains of death, because it was not possible for him to be held by it. And now he has been exalted to the right hand of God and has received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, whom he has poured out on his church, that he he may be with us always, even to the end of the age. And so let me say again today, with all graciousness, repent of your sins. Turn back so that your sins may be blotted out and so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord dwelling in your heart by his Holy Spirit. Do not sleep. Wake up. Clothe yourself in Christ. Be alert. Do not miss the importance of the cross and the resurrection. Let me say this this morning. The Lord, having come with great power and glory through his death and resurrection, is important for our whole Christian life. Don't hear me say that it's just important so you can get saved and that's it, you've got your ticket. It's important for the whole of our Christian lives. It's important every day when we wake up to have Christ as our vision, to stay awake so that we live each day and each night in light of his coming in glory, we cannot fall asleep. We must be on guard. The temptation to sin is real. It's crouching at the door. It's waiting to devour you. So you have to keep watch. Friends, the Christian life is hard. It's hard. It's tough to live a life of purity in a world filled with lust and sexual temptation. It's difficult to live a life of honesty in a world where lying seems to be the way to get ahead. It's difficult to keep our speech and our actions glorifying to God in a world who seek to mock and ridicule their maker. The desires of the world, the flesh and the devil are very real. Coveting that which does not belong to us is a real temptation. Wanting to keep up with our friends, our family, our neighbours... In terms of possessions, in terms of status, that's a very real temptation. And it's difficult to endure that. It's difficult. Isn't it difficult to turn away from jealousy? Isn't it difficult to turn away from pride? Are we ever tempted to treat the Lord's Day as just another day off work? A day meant for us and for our enjoyment? That's a real temptation. This life we have been called to as Christians, the life we have been saved for, is difficult. If we are to endure to the end, to the end of the end, as Christ would urge us to, we need to be on guard. We need to be alert. We need to keep watch that we do not fall asleep and just wander into sinfulness. We need to keep the coming of the Son of Man in power and glory, the death and resurrection of Christ. We need to keep that as our firm vision each and every day. What do you think about it like this? Those of you who drive a car, you're out driving and you see those blue lights flashing behind you. You see the high-vis yellow and blue car up ahead. 
What do you do? If you're anything like me, my eyes go immediately to the speedometer. Immediately. All of a sudden, I'm incredibly aware of how well or how not well I am driving. You become alert like that. The vision of the police changes how you drive. Up to that point, well, let's hope you weren't sleeping, but you were maybe less aware of how good your driving is. Jesus is saying here, live the Christian life with the cross and resurrection firmly in your sights. Live as if a police car were tailing you all the way through life until your death. Be alert. Be on guard. Do not let him find you sleeping. Keep watch. Because one day, Jesus will return. He will come on the clouds. He will return with all the glory that he received in his death and resurrection. The resurrection of Jesus has set something in motion that cannot be stopped. You know, at this time of year, as we drive around the countryside, we start to see those blossoms coming in the hedges, don't we? And we know that spring is on its way. It doesn't look like it when you look out there today. You see those, those little dots of yellow flowers in the field. And you know that very soon the whole field will be blossoming in yellow. The first bloom is a promise. It's a promise that the whole field will be filled. The Bible tells us that the resurrection of Christ is the first fruits. His resurrection guarantees our resurrection from the dead. And so the return of Jesus following his resurrection is the most certain thing that we could ever be certain of. It's more certain than the sunset following the sunrise. The resurrection guarantees the return of Christ in the same way that your being born guarantees your death. You see, the incarnation, life, death, resurrection, ascension, pouring out of the Spirit, and the return of Jesus are really all one event. And they are held apart only by the mercy and grace of God for the salvation of those whom he has chosen to be born in between, you and me. And so the happenings of that first Easter Sunday, the coming of the Son of Man in his resurrection from the dead, is a hugely important event for all of us alive today. The resurrection guarantees Jesus' return. And he will return to judge the living and the dead. And you know something? I can't tell you when that will happen. I don't know the time. I don't know the day. I don't know the hour. But when he does return... Those who have kept awake, those who have kept focused on Christ, who have endured, those people will be saved. And then, then we will live forever. We will live forever in perfect blessing and sweet communion with our Lord and Saviour. There will be a glorious day when our bodies will be raised from the grave. And reunited with our souls and as body and soul, we will spend eternity as God's people in the new heavens and the new earth, communing with God himself, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit as our God. 
Sin and death and sickness will be no more and Christ will be our constant vision. We will see him face to face and we will share in his glory because we will live our lives perfectly to glorify him. Whatever we do in that day, whether we eat or drink, we will do it all in its entirety for the glory of God and the glory of God alone. So friends, take heed. Watch and pray. Do not let Jesus return to find you sleeping. Wake up and let's stay awake. Let each one of us commit to living our lives for him today and for every day he will give us. Be alert, be on guard, keep the vision of Christ, our crucified and risen Lord and Saviour in front of you to help you stay awake to help you endure to that glorious end when he returns to take us to be with him forever. Let's pray together. Our Heavenly Father, we praise you for the Bible, for the scriptures, for how they teach us and rebuke us and correct us and train us in righteousness. We pray that each one of us, having heard the preaching of your word today, would be thoroughly equipped for every good work which you have laid before us. Might we grasp the significance and importance of the death and resurrection of Jesus. May we be awake and alert to see it. Not just today, but every day. Help us to to keep the vision of Christ, our crucified and risen Lord and Saviour. Help us to keep him in front of us so that we can endure, so that we can keep running this race. I pray for the congregation here in Kings Mills. I pray for any among us who have never trusted in Jesus as Lord. I pray, O oh God, that you will work in their hearts and minds by the power of your spirit. Draw them to faith in Christ. I pray too for anyone who's struggling today, perhaps those who are struggling spiritually, perhaps those who, who have fallen into some sin in the past weeks or months. I pray, oh God, that today would be the day when they wake up. That, that vision of the flashing blue lights would catch us in our sin. We would be convicted to repent and to come to Christ for forgiveness. Pray for all those sheep who are connected to our congregation who have wandered far from the fold. I pray, O oh God, that you would draw them back to yourself. We do pray for this congregation, for any who are unable to be with us today, for any kind of physical or medical reasons or conditions. We pray too for those who are struggling emotionally at this present time. We pray for any who are struggling in the grips of grief and bereavement. We pray, O oh God, that you would be the one who would bind up their wounds. We pray that we would all look to Jesus as the only one who can fix us, the only one who can put the egg back together. We do pray for this world today 
We pray today for PCI's global mission workers in Romania, for Steve and Rosie Kennedy. We pray for them and their congregation in Cluj, especially as they seek to provide support pastorally and emotionally and practically to refugees from Ukraine who are coming into Romania. We pray that you would help them to know the right things to do, give them wisdom, give them discernment. We pray as well for Steve and Rosie as they reach out to the English-speaking community in Cluj. We pray also today for these two student deaconesses in Union Theological College, for Heather and for Kathy. We pray as they come to the end of their first year in college that they will have had beneficial learning. We pray for their summer placements, that those would be times of great development for them. And we pray what we've prayed for the student deaconesses, for the students for ministry as well. As those summer placements begin in the next couple of months, as assignments all get finished, we pray that you would be pleased to bless them. We pray especially for Stuart McKim as he comes to minister here next Sunday. We pray for those in our own presbytery, for Ryan Higgins and for John McKee. We pray, Heavenly Father, that you would help them as they learn theology to have the minds to take it in and also to have the hearts to carry it out in practice in pastoral ministry. We pray, Lord Jesus, for each one of us today that we would keep you as our vision, that we would have you in front of our eyes so that we would live now and every day for all eternity for your glory and your glory alone. Amen. We're going to bring our service to a close by standing to sing once more again another great resurrection hymn, Thine Be the Glory. <laughs>